Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What's the relationship between quantum physics and biology? Is there really life after death? What does that even mean? Hello and welcome to the 724th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on Owen 1240 Radio and our uh, first broadcast of 2018 and our 10th year on the air as well. I'm Ben and those far-reaching questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal and father, Paul. And today we uh, bring you a first-time guest on a long-time subject and we will not be taking calls today, uh, but we will take emails during the show at uh, paul at behindtheparanormal.com for those. Coming to us via Skype is Dr. Robert Davis, a professor at the State University of New York for over 30 years, a graduate of the City University of New York. He earned his doctorate in neuroscience from Ohio State. Dr. Davis has published over 40 articles in scholarly journals, lectured at national and international conferences, and was awarded several major grants by the National Science Foundation and the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health to fund research in the neurosciences. His interest in UFOs convinced Dr. Davis that the phenomenon remains unresolved and is wrongly ignored by mainstream science. He serves on the board of directors and research team of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters, or FI. R-E-E, free. Uh, free was established to provide a scientific exploration of the relationship between advanced physics and the UFO phenomenon. Dr. Davis's latest book, uh, oh no, well, is not latest book. The UFO phenomenon, should I believe, is a must-read for anyone interested in the subject. His latest book, released I believe just last week, is Life After Death: An Analysis of the Evidence from Schiffer Books, the same publisher we have. All right, so Dr. Robert Davis, welcome to Behind the Paranormal for our first guest of 2018. Well, it's a pleasure to be invited and speak with you and your audience. Appreciate your words. No, I I don't believe we did, but uh, we just can't hear him because we need headphones. I just remembered that. Oh, okay. All right, I have... um, Silly. Silly, yes. That was... was, uh, was (laughs) Starting off with a great start, so bear with us, folks. Okay, there we go. These are the uh, the headphones that we got at the uh, WON Christmas party. There we are. There we are. Okay. Are you with us, Bob? Well, I certainly am. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. We usually aren't, uh, isn't this much chaos. Uh, but did you hear Ben's question? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I wrote the book, uh, Life the death analysis of the evidence and attempt essentially to, to connect the dots. And the key question is what dots are we trying to connect between science, consciousness, and attempt to try to understand what, what your show is all about, paranormal, which eventually, someday, will be considered normal. At least many aspects of it will. But people have to understand that what we consider paranormal in the form of many diverse physical, physiologic uh, anomalous life experiences that that have uh, that, that that are facilitated by people who contend that they experience altered perceptions of space and time. They hear unusual visions, uh, unusual things, sounds. Uh, they downloaded information. They they claim to interact with non-human intelligences associated with or without a unidentified aerial phenomena of some type. Aspects of reincarnation, ESP, and more are being reported by thousands 
as if not millions of individuals worldwide and need to be taken considerably more seriously than the part of mainstream science. While and while some research is being done, certainly not enough exists. And in my book, I try to bridge that gap. And, and the way is by looking at some of the theories in quantum physics which do align with individual objective experiences. Okay. And the key. All right. Uh, go ahead, Ben. Do you have another? Please. Okay. <laughs> um, there seems um, to be a question of evidence. Okay. Now, one of the questions we ask, and I think this came up in our pre-interview conversation, Doctor, was uh, what is it that constitutes evidence? Now, from our personal perspective, you are, you are right on track as far as trying to look for answers in, in places that people generally have not looked before, which is uh, outside the, the, the physical sciences in the realm, say, of, of particle physics, things of theoretical physics, this sort of thing. But what is it that actually constitutes evidence uh, in in the sense of what what I'm really asking, I guess, is the scientific method as we understand it good enough to explain something like the paranormal in general and UFOs in particular? No, not at all. Uh, we don't have the scientific principles yet to adequately apply in a systematic fashion, utilizing that scientific method. Uh, we don't we don't even know what are the underlying aspects of what we consider to be the paranormal. But what I consider to be the key fundamental um, issue at hand here is consciousness, mm -hmm. which alone is totally defined. We don't even have criteria, let alone a sense of what consciousness is from a, a scientific, medical, philosophical perspective. But ever since life called out of that so-called primordial soup and evolved into what we are now, whatever that may be, uh, like inquisitive, inventive, bipedal primates, we've always wondered if oneself or I is just a physical body. And science has yet to determine whether or not a soul, a spirit, let's call it consciousness, if that acts independent of the brain. We don't know what it is, we don't know what it does, how it functions, where it originates, and we don't know where aspects of abstract thought, free will, exist in the brain. Maybe one day we will, but this is the point. What evidence exists? Very little. But the evidence that does exist, that has been demonstrated scientifically, is ESP. We don't have enough time to go into great detail about this, but one thing I could say with certainty, and this comes under the heading of paranormal, is communication between individuals on an invisible pathway. We're talking about individuals who can sense events remote from their sensory systems. This has been demonstrated in numerous ways. It's been demonstrated in the laboratory and beyond. I'm, I'm convinced it exists. Now, that alone should get the attention of mainstream science, let alone, let alone all the other aspects of what we call paranormal in the form of out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, apparitions, reincarnation. Uh, the UFO phenomenon also incorporates an aspect of consciousness whereby non-local intuitive perception, non-local intuitive perception is, is, in my mind, real, valid. And I'm talking coming from the scientific background, and I need to see evidence. I need, I'm left brain in nature. I need to, I need to feel and touch it before I accept it irrefutably. Now, 
There's a lot of sense and nonsense out there. You know that. Oh yes. Uh, we don't know who who and who to listen to, what to believe, and and that that was the purpose of my book, trying to synthesize all the information that exists in the scientific literature and non-scientific literature, trying to make as best sense as I can with all these aspects that we call it again paranormal and try to align some scientific principles to help explain what what millions of individuals are, are experiencing worldwide probably ever since again we crawled out of that primordial soup what what gets me is that we have we have nobel prize laureates like eugene wigner edwin schrodinger etc they talk about cosmic consciousness stephen hawking they talk about wormholes mm -hmm. it's in different times and space, etc., etc., we have extraordinary scholars, both in the past and now, talking about things that that are indeed theoretical, but if proven, eventually it will help explain many of of these aspects of behavior, experience, altered states of consciousness that defy life. And I do believe that an aspect of consciousness, whatever that is, and, and energy, a force maybe generated for, by the brain, can actually be part of the unified field theory that Einstein said he realized, believe it or not, in a dream. Okay, yes. Uh, no, a little more video travels. Apologize for this. This never happened. Anyway, you did mention the N-word, uh, non-locality, and you deal with this in your book. Can you say a little bit more, more about that and how it might bring us beyond uh, garden variety scientific interpretations of these phenomena? Okay. It's a good question. Let's, let's link some science principles with the behavioral aspect of non-locality. Let's take an electron. This has been demonstrated and proven in a laboratory setting, which Einstein considered spooky action at a distance. We take an electron. Let's cut it in half. These two now separate subatomic particles, once bound, but now separated by thousands of light years apart. You manipulate one, the other will respond in an instantaneous manner, and it is predictable. So... We have, in, in a sense, communication on an invisible pathway. We don't know what is linking them still, despite despite their vast distance. But the point is this. We see evidence on the subatomic scale, and that's what quantum physics is all about. This evidence suggests that we, who are made up of certainly subatomic particles, manifest in non-locality, meaning, again, maybe the human mind is capable of also communicating on an invisible pathway. And this has been demonstrated using EEG techniques, electrocardiogram, electrodermal, uh, skin conductance activity. This has been demonstrated. This has been demonstrated by individuals who, when they observe an electron in a laser interferometer, it acts one way, but when they stop observing it, it acts in a completely different manner. Observation alone actually makes that subatomic particle real. This, this is a fact. Now, this enigmatic behavior of subatomic particles implies many different things, certainly. But what does it more importantly 
imply for the human condition and things we call paranormal. Does this form evidence of or provide evidence of ESP or non-locality, my ability to, to sense with great accuracy events that are remote from my ability to see, to hear, to touch, whatever it is. And, and and, and this has been demonstrated and, and utilized via remote viewing by, by spies in the United States and Russia who wanted to know what missiles uh, exist where. And many individuals have quite accurately demonstrated their unique ability to do this. Now, it may be innate, it may, may, may it has to be taught, it's now facilitated in, in the young, although there are experiments now that are showing that children who are uh, shielded visually can be trained to actually do just this remote view, non-locality. But what does it mean for trying to understand aspects of phenomena that do exist, that leave people beyond bewildered? Uh, what does it mean for individuals who, who contend that they see deceased relatives when they're nearing death or, or apparitions that come and go, uh, let alone many other uh, uh, types of subjective experiences that cannot be explained and, in my mind, should not be ignored by the scientific community. And the bottom line is this. We need some kind of governance structure to facilitate needed fiscal and human resources uh, applied in a scientific, strict scientific Manner to better understand what is going on. You've had you've had guests on your shows for over over a decade, and I congratulate you for bringing this issue to the greater attention of, of the public at large. And unfortunately, on enough shows like this, because this while it's a lot of it is woo woo nonsense. Look, let me let me emphasize that. But a lot of it is not. A lot of it is not. And you have good guests on. You just had uh, Dr. Daswami, uh, excellent show. You have some noted individuals here who are talking about aspects of consciousness, aspects of science, and we have to bridge that gap where we can hopefully develop new scientific principles to simply adequately explain, to quantify the subjective experience with the, such newly developed principles, which is... Again, do not do not exist to adequately capture what what people are saying. Like I'm, I had an out of body experience, uh, I had a near death experience, and so deceased relatives felt profound love. The thing is this: there are many symptoms associated with out of body near death experiences, even hallucinogenic drugs, among other modalities that give rise to the same kind of behavioral outcomes: a greater understanding of oneself and life. Uh, a realization that they are multidimensional individual. This is what they say, and they no longer fear death. They believe that their body is physical, but they themselves, the I, the self, is something that is distinctly different than the physical body. They do believe that they continue after the body is gone. After the hard drive crashes and the screen fades to black, they contend that they're going to live on in whatever form, who, who knows? But 
that, that's that's uh, leading us right into where we want to go, of course, which is the notion of the afterlife. Somebody just wrote in, please start talking about the afterlife. <laughs> so uh, fr- from where that, that begins, uh, I'll just share briefly an experience of mine. When I was in the military, I was caught in an avalanche, and I was there's no way I could have escaped. Something pulled me out, and the, the guys didn't see what it was. But it's, it was, I remember that, that, that my body was panicking, but my mind was not, which kind of dovetails with what you just said. So let's begin that discussion with what is the afterlife? I mean, it seems like an obvious question, but uh, again, um, what, what, do you, what do you feel? And, and, and this goes back to Ben's first question. Um, wh- where does this take the answer to Ben's question, what you've just said? What is the afterlife? Yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, we don't know. We, we, we don't know what criteria defines just that. You know, what does afterlife mean in and of itself? It's a very reasonable question. It's a question we all ask at one time or another, especially as we age um, and are close to that transition between life and death. And maybe the afterlife is, the answer to the afterlife is nothing. Or maybe some aspect of, of energy generated possibly by neurons within the brain, some quantum physicists, uh, physicists are looking at uh, a type of uh, torsion energy generated by biophotons or a subtle form of energy from within the brain. And these quantum processes do indeed exist within the brain itself, as well as other uh, forms of life and nature. Uh, photosynthesis is a quantum process in and of itself. But the point, the point here is we don't know what the afterlife is. There's some aspect of consciousness or maybe facilitated by this type of energy. Does that continue? Uh, it, 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 you know, we, again, we go back to, uh, the, the, the notion that everybody is well aware of. Uh, matter cannot be created nor destroyed, just uh, reformed, reshaped, uh, and thus persist. And maybe that is true. Maybe an aspect of awareness, a sense of self, does continue at the bodily death. And, and there is evidence, not hard uh, and fast irrefutable evidence, that supports the possibility of some form of awareness or continuation in some manner after bodily death. And here we go to studies in reincarnation, near-death experiences, and if you listen to people who have near-death experiences in their mind, hey, guess what? There is another reality. And I see my deceased relatives, and I feel profound love that I've never, ever experienced. One woman, for instance, gave gave the example of the, the type of profound love she experienced during her near-death experience was like looking into your newborn baby's eyes for the first time magnified 10 million times. Now, I like that what analogy. Yeah. That means she's trying to get across, obviously, a, a, a very awe-inspiring, transcendent experience that she had, that, yes, you can't apply this scientific principle to that or the scientific method to quantify or qualify adequately. You can get at it. It's like... Prove to me love exists. You know, prove to me uh, my heart is broken after my my love of my life said goodbye. Uh, you know, I, I get it. You're upset, but prove it to me in a scientific way. And you can't apply principles in science to prove it, other than other than noting the the, the validity of the anecdotal 
the person's own essence of the experience using language which doesn't fully capture it in order to get across uh, an experience like you had, like you had when you a distinction between me and my body. Reminds me, it reminds me when you were talking about your personal experience, and thanks for sharing that, by the way. Most people don't discuss these things, <laughs> but, but it's not a rare occurrence what you had. Mm-hmm. It is, and once people start talking about it, I think science, more scientists will wake up and say, hey, you know, maybe there is something to it. But, you know, on a simple level, um, maybe members of your audience can recall a time when they were silly drunk. But while your body is wobbling around, unable to walk a straight line, you can, in your mind, say, wow, look at me. I can't, I can't uh, function normally. But you, you, there, is a, there is an aspect of you that can s- s- size that <laughs> issue up in a way. I don't know if that's a good distinction between the brain and the body, but, but people... People are having such unique experiences that defy logical explanation. Here, here I, I've, I've interacted with individuals who not only contend to have near-death, out-of-body experiences, etc., but individuals who claim to have interactions with non-human beings. And we see evidences, evidence of this not only today, reported by thousands and not millions of individuals worldwide, but we see evidence of this, as you and I'm sure most, if not all of you listeners know, in the Bible, in folklore. Uh, and, 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 and the question is, in cave drawings, you know, thousands of years B.C., the, the point is, what, what are these individuals getting across throughout time? What are people, what are, where are people at when they say, I, you know, I saw a, a figure walk through my wall, uh, look at me with a big head, large eyes, you know, you get it, the grays. What is that all about? Is it an aberration of their mind? Is it a psychological uh, problem that we have yet to identify? Or are they indeed interacting with a form of intelligence from somewhere whose objective is whatever? But you know what? If this is true, if this is true, people are interacting with non-human intelligence, and it does relate to consciousness. It does, because the, the people who do experience this report altered altered space and time, mm-hmm. past, present, and future simultaneously. Eternity and now are the same thing. I don't know what they're talking about, but the point is they all say the same thing. And more specifically, and possibly importantly, is that they are transformed behaviorally in a positive manner as a result of their experiences, whether it be a near-death or out-of-body experience, or an interaction with an intelligence in the manner I'm saying. Now, I'm not concluding this is the case. I'm saying that that my research is indicating this. What it means is up to you. What it means is up to science to explore further. I'm clueless, other than other than in knowing that consciousness is indeed a unifying characteristic of this. Understanding understanding that people are transformed behaviorally, where the point is they become more humane, more loving, and caring of individuals, more sensitive to the ecological condition of our planet, greater understanding of themselves and what life is all about, an increase in self-worth, they become less materialistic, more spiritual, a desire to learn more about consciousness, and less less involved in organized religion. The point 
notice this. Why are they all transformed generally in a very positive way in a manner in which we would consider to be more humane? You know, if, if they're changing like this, and I've spoken to a lot who contend that this is indeed true, if this is valid, give me some. I'd like yeah. it to play too. Yeah. Well, Doctor, we're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break here, and we'll be right back uh, with uh, Dr. Robert Davis on this fascinating discussion. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful but a little bit chilly Blackstone River Valley today. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Callahan. Join me weekday mornings 5 to 8 for the ON Morning Fun Show. We'll have local news, state news, national news, Lou Mandeville on sports, great music, fun features, and trivia. Weekday mornings 5 to 8 on ON 1240, WON, One Socket Radio. Okay, and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our fascinating guest today, Dr. Robert Davis. And we're talking about all sorts of things having to do with consciousness and survival of death. All right, now, before we burn up this hour, which is we are doing rather quickly, uh, Dr. Davis, please tell us about this book, your previous book, uh, your website, where people can find out more. Uh, my website is com. My latest book entitled again Life After Death An Analysis of the Evidence uh, tries to again capture all of this information that I'm attempting to share in a relatively short period of time and it doesn't do the topic justice uh, we can talk for understandably many hours exploring each specific issue in, in great detail but again my book it was an attempt to synthesize it all into a somehow manageable, readable uh, whole that tries to bridge this en enigma that that relates to consciousness, science, certainly, aspects of the possibility of life after death, and the paranormal, which is a bad term, because these issues here, while they are real, they're real in the minds of individuals who experience it, despite the contradiction from mainstream science in, 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 in their attempt to, uh, in their lack of an attempt, I should say, to study it in a rigorous fashion with sufficient human and fiscal resources. Because people are saying that they, again, have these altered aspects of space and time. They're linked with memories and consciousness of, of oneself and others, including deceased relatives, this so-called universal interconnectedness, which many leading scholars and, again, uh, Nobel Prize laureates contend this cosmic consciousness, this universal interconnectedness, they contend is real. You know, that, yeah, we're talking about exquisitely devised mathematical formulas and solutions to them that suggest this to be the case whereby subatomic particles are, are, are on a uh, subatomic scale are related to uh, the subatomic particles on a cosmological scale. You know, everything in the universe, they contend, is, is interrelated. Well, what does that mean for the human being? We should, too, therefore, somehow be interrelated with reality itself. And that's another topic in and of itself when we get into what is reality. Now, that's consciousness space, but what is the true reality? We'll just have to do more shows. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah. indeed. We, 
unique, but you had guests that talk about what is the true reality? You, you look outside uh, and, and you see XYZ. Well, what are you looking at? You're looking at photons, the subatomic particles that have been traveling here ever since the Big Bang, how many billion, 13 billion years ago, bouncing off that object that you're observing. It's a form of energy, of course, but then when it stimulates the retina, it's converted to a form of energy that the brain can only understand, which is only electrophysiological, neurological, mm-hmm. innate. Yeah, well, Ben has a uh, question, yeah. actually, if we could yeah. jump to that. Yeah. So that sort of uh, goes into uh, my my question, and we've had uh, Dr. Persinger on our show at one point in time talking about the, Persinger, yeah. yes, the famous uh, God Helmet, which essentially, if, I'm, I'm assuming you know about the God Helmet, Dr. Davis, but for those who, who don't, essentially it was, was a, a device that sort of sent stimuli through the temporal lobe area of the brain and, you know, could essentially simulate near near death experiences or out of the body experiences and when we had him on the show you know he basically said well it's a bunch of you know synapses going off in the brain and uh, and all sorts of stuff like that and you know the question we had was does that make it any less real so what do you say about this dr davis well you you're right uh, if if you can stimulate certain aspects of the brain as dr person person did in the temporal lobe uh, it does it does facilitate alterations in perception. However, however, uh, the individuals that are subjected to this kind of technique, while they do have altered perceptions, um, they are not exactly that uh, reported by individuals who truly do have out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, and other experiences associated with the paranormal. Um, you know, scientists will interpret this as a brain-based event. Uh, it may be. I'm not discounting that as a possibility. But, but like you said, you know, so what? If it is brain-based and I'm experiencing an alteration of reality, maybe experiencing, who knows, a true reality that, that, that exists beyond the body without the impeded limitations of our sensory systems that only allow us to see a certain discrete part of a wide spectrum of energies that exist that cannot be filtered, analyzed by our sensory systems. That's a fact. The thing is, you know, the thing is, what we need more research. Why only one person with this uh, the God helmet uh, making conclusions about this? That's fantastic. We need a lot more research from many scholars from many different disciplines because this phenomena is not just one. We're talking about a complex range, a diverse range of experiences that defy a logical explanation, and each one is distinctly and uniquely different than the other. And trying to bridge what may be the underlying uh, unifying characteristic to all of these things remains subject to interpretation and it's and a form of or subject matter of considerable debate. Why don't scientists focus attention on this area is something that needs certainly to be uh, encouraged. Because I yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, on the notion, I just because we're, we're moving along here, on, on the notion of uh, the individual, one wonders what this does to the notion of that. Um, the translation by religions. Mo- not all, but most religions, of the notion of the afterlife, um, 
and the experiences that humanity has had with whether it be near-death experiences, etc., uh, has sometimes come out to be, in my opinion, rather comic book-like. Uh, and my background is in theology. I spent a lot of years in the seminary, and I kind of saw this. And but, but the deeper theology of the, the uh, various religions is sometimes not comic book. Uh, one of the odd things about the understanding of the afterlife in in the West, uh, meaning you know, traditional philosophy, etc., of, of Europe and America, is which is pretty much adopted by the whole world now, uh, is that you want to be you. Okay, you're you now, so you think. But you want to be you after you die, and you assume that you will be you forever. Okay, th- that's rather odd in the history of human spirituality, uh, and it shows, of course, perhaps our narcissism. But uh, what say you on that? I mean, what, what, when, when you look at the evidence, I mean, what, what does this do to the notion of the individual, both before and after death? Well, I, I wish I had an answer. That's a very reasonable question. But but we're talking about uh, nebulous terms that 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 can be <laughs> interpreted in many different ways, and and that's why again we need to bridge that psycho-spiritual scientific gap because mm. you. You're coming from a theologic perspective. I come from a sci- more a scientific perspective. There's right and wrong in each. Yeah. And trying to figure out what is right and wrong in each is, is, is the art, is a task in and of itself. But there is truth in each one. And there is a new branching uh, field called neo-theology, mm-hmm. which is a thing to try to better understand this, the, the, the range of spiritual, mystical, and experiences that people are having in, in a variety of different ways that tend to facilitate profound psycho-spiritual effects in the experience. And that's the key. It is having such a profound effect on people that experience the unexplained that is largely ignored by the psychological community. And if I were to go to a psychiatrist and explain to them that I saw a deceased relative or a non-human intelligence or I had an ESP event or et cetera, et cetera, not a body experience, what do you think is going to be the typical reaction, right? One of mainstream science. Well, let's give you counseling. Obviously, you're in need. Let's let's dump, dump you down with antidepressants or whatever. Now, that individual may need it because when they do experience these, these transformative types of in enigmatic experiences, they are beyond anxious, confused, in need of, of support. Without question. How about how did you feel when like you went like you said when you had your unique experience? I'm sure you were a little, little different the next day. Oh yeah. Uh, given given that, that, that kind of distinction you you felt. and you can't use words to describe it, I know. But it left you with the major impression to the point where you can accurately relive it today or retrieve it and share with me and your audience today. And I, again, I commend you for doing so. Most people don't for fear of obvious ridicule. Um, nevertheless, neo-theology and beyond needs to be supported. Um, look, doc, Dr. Mitchell, the astronauts who walked on the moon, uh, Dr. Mitchell, one, one of them, the first uh, sixth person to walk on the moon on his return trip, you may be aware of this. Yeah, we knew so him. He experienced in a, Huh? I say we knew him. He's, he was oh, on the show. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So extraordinary individual, as you well know. Absolutely. And he was the founder of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, probably facilitated by his experience as a, again, you well know, his, what he called an epiphany, the interconnectedness, this experience 
explosion of awareness. It's, it's an overwhelming sense, he said, of oneness, connectedness. When he was returning home in the Apollo spacecraft, by seeing the planet Earth, and we can't imagine what that awe-inspiring transcendent effect may be, but there are papers on this called the overview effect, and people are changing. Many astronauts report similar kinds of experience that change, that give them now uh, unique insights that, that, that have a long-lasting outcome in terms of their personal and philosophical viewpoints. From that moment forward, what is that all about? That's the key. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, ghosts that bang doors in the night here. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, woo-woo stuff that is often, in, that often accompanies this, this topic area. Now, I'm talking about a valid phenomenon that lacks understanding like that of the brain that if understood fully one day and this is only 2018 let's face it it took us six or six years to go from flying the plane in kitty hawk to landing <laughs> to walk moon and we all understand what what it will the next 66 plus bring us once these scientific principles are established that help us better understand what the subjective experience is all about that people are reporting from their OBEs and NDEs, etc., we may, we may very well come to the realization that an aspect of consciousness was the missing link in Einstein's unified field theory, which was composed of the two nuclear forces, forces, the uh, electromagnetism and gravitational. Well, guess what? Maybe consciousness can make that a more unified theory. Yes. And and we need to look for further at just that. One thing that comes up in the notion of afterlife, uh, a lot of people popularly will believe in reincarnation, of course, uh, which obviously successive lives. Now, it's interesting that in, in the theologies of the religions that officially embrace reincarnation, uh, for the most part, they want to escape from it. They want to escape from the cycle of lives to enlightenment, where you don't have to do that anymore. But uh, in our society, it seems that people embrace it because they, they don't want to lose their precious selves. Uh, one wonders if both could be wrong because of Einstein, what Einstein's work, particularly 1952 book Relativity, in which he essentially said in so many words that time is, is, does not really exist. It's simply a function of our consciousness. Uh, Professor Goswami says the same thing. And that uh, everything is really simultaneous. So how can you have successive lives uh, when you have no time in the objective sense. Can you talk a bit, a bit about reincarnation in that sense? Uh, yes, and, and obviously this is, <clears throat> we don't have the answer. Um, but maybe the body, however, exists in a reality where there is uh, a space and time. So we, we, are, uh, we, we are governed by physical laws because our body is physical. But maybe, here again, an aspect of consciousness, energy in the form of possibly a torsion wave um, generated by the brain, body, maybe, maybe once removed from the body, uh, time and space no longer exists. And this is a very common uh, 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 symptom, enigmatic uh, 
uh, in nature, of course, but people say, you know, there is no time, no space. Uh, as you mentioned pre prior, uh, past, present, and future exists simultaneously. We can't understand what that feels like. I can see 360, they say. I can see all around me. I can, I can be anywhere uh, by will alone. Uh, there's, there's no inhibitance in terms of space or time. Oh, I don't know what they're talking about, right? We don't know. But they all say this. And this is what's interesting because it aligns with subatomic particle behavior where they, subatomic particles can exist in two or more locations simultaneously. This is what Einstein recognized mm -hmm. eventually. Um, there's an internal presence. Uh, uh, there's no time. Uh, yeah, and he's not alone in saying this. Um, and we see evidence of this. And many, many uh, leading scientists today, like Goswami and many others, are, are coming out with different theories, like the quantum hologram theory of consciousness, the theory of everything, etc., etc. So it's all out there. You don't know who to believe, but they all say the same thing. Consciousness is a key, the major foundational aspect of what we're talking about here. If there is an afterlife, if there is anything true to the paranormal, and there are. Sure. There are validity to it, but what we don't even know, can't even define what paranormal is. It simply means we, science can't explain it. Well, that well, that doesn't mean well, of course. nonsense. It's, you know, as, as most view, they consider it something that is not valid, that is a, a symptom of a, a, a poorly, you know, disordered individual, psychologically speaking. In, in many cases, that is true. No question about it. But Look, Einstein came up with that unified field theory in a dream. And he said, I wish I had yeah. a dream again. Tesla, too. said, yeah. we learn more about reality of life in the physical universe if we study the paranormal. You know that. We will learn more in a, in a year than we would in a decade using the scientific principles that were present at that time. Uh, you know, looking, so, at, looking at consciousness uh, and bringing together everything we've, we've touched on today, and there's plenty more, as you say, to discuss non-locality, the non-existence of linear time, and the notions of consciousness, is it possible that, as part of the multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, that we are living not successive lives, but simultaneous lives, uh, even to the point of having a, a unified biosphere, where we really are each other, as is hinted at in Matthew, where... <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself, which in Greek really says love your neighbor because he is yourself. I mean, maybe the ancients knew this. I mean, is, is it possible that, that, that our entire notion of the individual and everything else is, is just wrong and that death, in, as an, in an objective sense, doesn't really exist as, as time doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera? You see where we're going here. I mean, well, how can we summarize all this? Yeah, and, and how can we not ask those kinds of questions, you know, there's there's a reason for why we are conscious. You know, there is a reason for why the universe began. Um, these are, the, and maybe the answer is, it just is. You know, maybe that's yeah. a cop-out, yeah. but there's a grander purpose uh, to, to life, and maybe there are, theoretically speaking, uh, uh, synchronized universes that coexist in our space and time but at a little different frequency that maybe, maybe we we enter upon death. Uh, and here again, these, these theories in quantum physics, uh, and again, I'm not a physicist, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to synthesize what all these theories are about out there in varying books. 
books by leading scholars doesn't mean they're right. You know, it doesn't mean they're right. doesn't mean they're wrong. Uh, the, the key is we have to be very careful and be objective as, as, as much as possible, which is certainly easier said than done. But, yeah, could there be a parallel universe... Sure, that that where uh, an aspect of oneself it may exist simultaneously, it gets into this branching tree theory mm-hmm. where all possibilities do occur and and they exist in different times and spaces. I, I mean, it's hard to really capture the essence of many of these theories, let alone uh, theories in quantum physics that uh, that have been proven where a superposition. Meaning, I can throw a ball at two people simultaneously um, yeah, <laughs> at the same time. I, I can go go into the past and change the outcome of a play before it is even finished. I can pass through solid objects. All of these kinds of things exist at the subatomic scale. And we see evidence of this in the subjective experience. That's, that's my point, everybody. Okay. You, you get it? How do we bridge it? How do we test it? How do we do research? But we just come up with pieces here and there that are fragmented. And, and we have questions just like you, you, you are asking, which are extraordinarily accurate and appropriate. I, I'm at a loss to give you the answer to those kinds of questions. But the point is there, there are so many more questions than answers that we can't help but express. And we have nothing to fall back on. Just theories, anecdotal evidence, which is important. We can't dismiss that. And the similarity of such experiences that people can tend to have throughout history, as you indicated, throughout history, expressed in different ways, unique to the language and culture of the time. And and deciphering that information is, an, is, is a task in and of itself. Um, but I commend you for, for mentioning that and for your studies in that area, because we have certainly a lot more to learn about that. And they probably did hint at many of the things that we are talking about. How do they express, in other words, the, 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 the enigmatic experiences that millions of people are having now? They had it then, right? In the biblical times, whatever year, yeah. years of yeah, right? Yeah. How did they express it then? And you know, in, in, in the Bible and other texts, you know, there are hints of it in terms of trying to formulate just that, their experience in ways that they could not capture adequately. So we try to interpret that language. Exactly, yeah. And to make sense of it. But we see hints of it there. This is not unique to 2018. We see hints of it all over the place. Indeed. And we need to study it. Oh, well, we're just about out of time. I'm sorry to say we could fill hours with this, and we're definitely going to have you back, Doctor. Tell us once again your website and your books. Um, on what side is the UFO phenomenon? Should I believe my recent book is Life After Death, an analysis of the evidence, and it's a coincidence that we share the same publisher, Schiffer Publishing. Yes, small uh, world. <laughs> it is, it yeah. is indeed. Uh, and I've also written another book, The UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe, also through uh, Schiffer Publishing. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to possibly being on your show again. We're just scratching this surface, and I commend your audience who are curious-minded, uh, and that's the initial first step uh, in trying to better understand what I consider to be the most important issue of our time. So, so true. I agree. Ben, any uh, 
any just further comments? A really, really, really quick question. Well, I had a I had a very quick question, but it would lead to another hour long discussion. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we'll save it for the next show then. Well, Dr. Davis, thank you so much. It's a fascinating discussion. We'll be in touch off the air. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Very good. Okay. All right, there we are, Dr. Davis. So let us begin with our announcements. So check us out on Saturday, January 27th, our first public uh, event of this year, and it is the uh, charity event at Cottage by the Bay in uh, Dover, New Hampshire, to benefit the uh, Miss Portsmouth Area Scholarship Program, and that is uh, 5 to 8 p.m. The tickets are $20 uh, per person. And you will get uh, not only us, but a nice buffet dinner. And our subject will be uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Get your tickets through the link on our main BehindTheParanormal.com page. Okay. Now, on Saturday, February 17th, from 1 to 4 p.m., you can meet us at the 2018 Book Lovers and Authors Expo at the Cumberland Public Library, 1464 Diamond Hill Road, Cumberland, Rhode Island. There will be many other authors there as well, and it's a really fun event in a great venue. Uh, we weren't there last year because we had a conflicting event, uh, but we were there the year before, and it was really great. Uh, call 401-333-2552 for in- more information. That's the library number. Alrighty, and uh, for those of you who follow us online, we'll note that our uh, show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, has been redesigned and is uh, more interactive. We plan many more changes and upgrades, uh, but we have made a start. Yes, uh, I think every website is under construction, Ben, all the time. Oh, yes. Uh, So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but anyway, uh, you'll find uh, that many of the features are the same. Uh, The links will lead you to similar pages as we had before, uh, uh, forthcoming guests uh, here on ON 1240, uh, past guests, uh, which uh, has yet to be migrated, and, of course, uh, over 730 hours of shows from the past 10 years on uh, Chief Radio, on CBS Radio. We were on CBS for four and a half years, and here on ON, uh, where we uh, began in 2009, I believe. Yes, and uh, those are all there, and you can, if you have the time, uh, you can you can listen to those, and they're all free. So anyway, gift giving time is never over. It's always somebody's birthday or anniversary, so please consider autographed copies of our books for that special weird person in your life. They're cheap and easy to wrap. Uh, the books, that is, not the people. And they are widely available. But if you order them online at either of our two websites, behindtheparanormal.com or newenglandghost.com, we'll be happy to autograph them for you. And uh, don't forget, uh, books included uh, would would be the uh, first two of our Behind the Paranormal series. Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, uh, published last year, available in stores and from other online retailers. And then there's Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard of, currently available from our online uh, ret- from online retailers and Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. Also, uh, books available are books that my dad wrote in the days of yore, that's Faces at the Window and Footsteps in the Attic, about uh, his cases from the 1970s and 80s, along with Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, uh, with a few more cases and a broad look at what the paranormal might really mean. Okay, and what do we have here? There are... Um Books that I wrote some of, or at least we at least, I guess, appear in, but you'd never know that by their wild and crazy cover designs. These include The Bell Witch Project, uh, UFO Repeaters, and Beyond Amityville, The Lore of the Poltergeist, published by Global Communications, and our good friend and sometime co-host, Timothy Green Beckley. Now, of course, uh, also in UFO Repeaters, uh, you'll find a very, very interesting chapter 
on uh, Joe Ferrier, who was a uh, talk show host on our station here, WOON 1240, for over 50 years and passed away in 2012. We miss him a lot. We used to be back-to-back with him when we had uh, our drive-time slot on Mondays here on ON. And uh, we had a lot of different shows honoring him, and uh, he appeared on our show and said things he'd never said before in public. He was a major UFO uh, researcher of the 1960s and published a magazine. As I say, there's a whole chapter on him in UFO Repeaters uh, from Global Communications, available on Amazon.com. UFO Repeaters are people who have repeated UFO experiences. That's what that means. Right. Okay. So shock your pets, fool your kids, and amaze Winston Churchill by visiting the online bookshop at BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com. And uh, don't forget about our uh, four, our four and a half year run on CBS Radio and all that good stuff. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of podcasts on our website as well, and recorded shows from all of our various various years on the air. So there's 730 free recorded shows from all of our uh, broadcasting uh, repertoire. And if you dare, you can check out our YouTube channel. That's Behind the Paranormal Case Files, which is now expanding. So we're going to be working on some different productions, some different ideas with with a, a group of like-minded and interesting individuals. And I, I expect it to be very fascinating and maybe branching out into other online mediums as well. Yeah, and we, uh, re- we just put up a new... Uh Pod, a podcast, I guess, a video podcast on the Bridgeport case of 1974. It's technically a video. A what? It's a video. It's not a podcast. All right, I don't know. You think another ten years, maybe I'll get these terms down. Anyway, also on our websites, uh, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USACares.org uh, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Actually, though, those are still being migrated, but by this afternoon they'll be up. Also, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. Tony Larray out there doing terrific things with at-risk youth. Um, and uh, YouthMentoring.org, that's his website, and HelpForHaiti.com. These are people we know. Uh, we know the people who run these charities. They're, they're great people. The money goes where it's supposed to go, and it's not, it's not wasted on administration. Uh, ben, what do we have next Sunday? So next Sunday, uh, January 14th, uh, we will address the weird question, Is Everything Alive? Uh, with physicist Dr. Gregory Matloff. Then we'll kind of continue what we talked about today. So we leave you this afternoon with a thought from 19th century New England poet and essayist Ralph Waldo Emerson. Finish each, finish each day and be done with it. Tomorrow is a new day. That's where that oh. resulted. All right. So I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.